<laughs> yeah, howdy guys, Backcountry and Barbells. It's funny, uh, we are committed uh, to this podcast and hooking you guys up. Uh, case in point, Jeremy Day, uh, right now on uh, a quick little quick little vacay slash work trip in Hawaii. Man, it's 3.30 in the morning where you are. It's not elk season, sir. Um, why... <laughs> <laughs> I know. The sun doesn't rise here for another two hours. Yeah, but um, fired up. You're in my old stomping grounds, buddy. Yeah, that's what I, I know, man. It's kind of cool. Yeah, I, we loved living there in Hawaii. Um, I did a little bit of fishing, uh, deep sea fishing a few times for mahi out there. Um, that was super fun uh, to pull those in. And, um, you know, part of top food ever is just any fresh fish. I mean, if it's. I agree. I mean, in that mahi we caught, I mean, we were pulling the row out and, and eating, eating on that and. Um, eating on that fish but um cool you How got big do those get uh pretty good i mean the ones we were pulling in were good size i mean um those mahi that we pulled in ranged um i don't know i'm trying to think offhand one was about from my if you can imagine my right pec and then my arm extended um out the other side to my uh, left arm, well, about that big, were the sizes we were pulling in. It was pretty cool. Oh, very nice. Um, yeah, and that deep sea fishing's interesting. You just, you sit, and you sit, and you sit, and then all the action happens. So we caught about, yeah. <laughs> we caught about six mahi, like, in a matter of six minutes, and then we trolled the rest of the day. And the cool part about trolling out there, when we did it, we saw, um, we saw some hunkback whales and some dolphins, and... The most exciting moment of that fishing trip was we're all sitting there drinking beer on the boat. We're trolling around, and all of a sudden, a Volkswagen um, jumped out of the water, and a huge blue marlin um, took a stab at one of our um, one of our uh, lures or whatever was uh, flipping out there. Um, and it was very exciting for about two minutes because we all grabbed our lines to pull it in and thought we were into something and, uh, we just didn't hook up with it. But I'm telling you, oh man, Jeremy, it was a dinosaur. (laughs) (laughs) It was big. It was the coolest. And the best way I can describe it, we were all just sitting there all of a sudden a Volkswagen just jumped out of the water. Like those things are there. And to be honest, looking to the left, we were, we weren't that far. I mean, we could see the maybe a mile, maybe a mile from the coast. I mean, we, uh, my depth and sight lines, even considering where you are in the ocean are just completely, it's a foreign place to me. So even saying a mile would be just completely stupid. But, um, I know that that damn Marlin jumped out of the water. Uh, the boat captain was pissed. He's like, Oh my God. He goes, I, I never seen, you know, they got their pigeon thing. I never seen fish like that before, bro. And, uh, <laughs> it would have <laughs> yeah. been a lifetime. I think it would have been a lifetime fish for everybody on that boat. But, um, yeah, I got wow. a lot of unbelievable memories there. Um, uh, have you got, so when did you get in? Um, we got in on, um, Thursday afternoon, like at 11. So we hung out for a bit on that day. And then yesterday we just, Walked around on the beach, hung out at the beach. Um, yeah, just enjoyed the whole day and kind of enjoyed the heat and the sunshine, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's nice out there. And, you know, the, the climate, the cool thing I remember living about, about living in Hawaii was just the um, the consistency of the climate was as nice as the climate. I mean, you'd get a little yeah. bit of rain in the afternoon from time to time, but nothing crazy. In fact, the, the worst day weather we ever got in Hawaii was on Mason's... Uh, uh, first birthday party <laughs> or oh, really? second birthday i think yeah we had it we set up a beach party 
and we decided to do like you know if you if you hang around there long enough you see like there's like a hawaiian style beach party you'll do where i mean people set up for the day when they're going to do their thing on the beach out there and yeah uh, no i've seen that before <laughs> like what we were here before yeah so we we set up something like that and then we had just a torrential like a hurricane roll through all day and it was the, oh, i could no. say it was like the only day at one point we got like we had a jumpy house and the kids were in it and the wind blew it over while all the kids were in it it was awesome <laughs> we <laughs> were like all freaking out all the babies <laughs> <laughs> and the moms are freaking out worse, yeah that's right, right that's right <laughs> i opened another beer i said i'm sure it'll work out <laughs> but uh but uh you know while you're there uh two I'll, I'll give you three recommendations oh no two okay. i'll give you two two for food and uh if you could um there there's two places i would frequent a lot in, in proximity to where we live the honolulu burger company is a cool little burger stand in alamoana um that we used to be able to walk to and and um you get some cool burgers there and they do a good job a little local spot but a really good breakfast spot um, when we were there is a place called Yogur Story. And uh, okay. again, it's right there in Alamoana. And uh, I hope it's still there. But they do these, they do really cool waffles. You can get like red velvet waffles and um, they have really good coffee. And uh, it's just a cool, cool little spot uh, for breakfast and lunch. And I would recommend that those for anybody um, who, uh, who who heads on over there. We still live right there in Alamoana. And um uh, we used to walk to all these places and have a great time. And then the other thing I would recommend you do, um, I paced a guy in what's called the Hurt 100. And the Hurt 100 is a 100-mile race uh, trail run where they do a 20-mile uh, loop that kind of cycles in and out of the Makiki Valley. And okay. you can you hit like the uh, Moana Falls hike and there's this cool ridge back hike. But, man, if you could... If you could get any hike in that's in that valley, you'd have a blast. In fact, I bet you, um, I think the Moana Falls hike is, it's only about an hour. It gets a lot of traffic from folks, but it's pretty cool. And depending on how much time you and Michelle have, the further you can get into that hike, um, the more that valley you get to see. And it's just cool rainforest. Um, Those valleys are cool. And, um, you know, if you were really... If you're really uh, fired up, you could do that whole 20 mile loop. It might take you all day, but uh, <laughs> you, at the to, at the top of some of those ridgebacks, you you y'all, you're in like crazy rainforest. But then all of a sudden, you'll pop out, and there's like a an unbelievable view of Waikiki and the ocean. So um, there's a oh, wow. there's a lot of cool gems um, on that loop. Um, and maybe when this show's over, uh, maybe I can't ring up some links. But actually, I'd start with just going look look for Moana Falls hike. Um, where you are situated in Waikiki, it's very close. Um, you could easily get an Uber out there, and if you didn't want to spend all day in the woods, it's, I think, a mile. It might be a mile round trip, to be honest with you. It's not a yeah, far hike. Yeah, I, I did see that one, and it was one mile. Yeah, but if but you... we're looking, we would probably do something five, six, eight mile. Well, that's the thing. You could go past the falls and go as deep as you want. Oh, okay, cool. Especially if you have like the OnX app, I'm sure it works in Hawaii. Um, <laughs> you, you you won't get lost. Yeah, if you if honestly like you could get off the beaten path pretty quick because most people turn around at the falls. If if you go past the falls and you'll see, it's just like anywhere else. You'll see um, there'll be markers to go here, go there. Just keep going up. Um, it won't be upper than anywhere we've gone, 
But man, if you get deep into that rainforest, you see some cool old trees and there's some cool old banya trees back there and um, just neat stuff, man. And then another spot that's actually pretty cool, depending on how long you're out there, is um, it's a touristy spot. But uh, man, it's a valley where they do a lot of trail runs out there past Diamond Head. Um, uh, I'll look it up real quick, but um, it's like where they filmed like Jurassic Park and they've done a lot of... Um, other, oh, wow. other cool stuff out there um but um i think they have some hiking out there but hey man it's an awesome spot i mean you can't go wrong just drive around the island check out the windward coast go up. i mean goodness gracious the cool thing about oahu is if you spend enough time there um you can get kind of a taste for a lot of different things because you know out on the north shore um you know super you know super traditional they're trying their best to keep you know keep it keep it Hawaiian and, um, you know, you get on the windward coast and that's a different, different way of trying to stay local. And then obviously Waikiki is built up and touristy and, um, you can get in the middle and you get in IAEA and there's more of a Filipino vibe. I mean, it's a, it's a neat place, man. Uh, there's a lot of culture yeah. there. Just explore it and have a good time. Can't go wrong. Yeah. We've been enjoying ourselves so far. Cool. So, well, sweet. Well, we're not all going to just talk about Hawaii. Uh, we got nine <laughs> minutes in, and we're talking about Hawaii, um, where you can eat, where you can go. Everyone's like, can go there. But um, no, man, it, it's, you know, if you get a sense for this show, it's, you know, two guys uh, trying to figure out a way how to fit hunting into their lives amongst the um, uh, amongst uh, busy schedules and uh, training and living and working on the go is a big part of that. So, um, you know, I guess maybe the tip there is Jeremy, you know, rather than just go to these places and work and slug it out, man, find a way to look around and enjoy the scenery. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I usually try to do when I, when I'm on the road working, uh, a lot of times it doesn't work that way, but every now and then I get in a nice hike. Yeah. Uh, a couple, three, four weeks ago, I was in Albuquerque and, uh, New Mexico and climbed the mountain there, went up, to, I think I was at 8,800 feet from 5,000. So that's awesome. Climbed 3,500 feet. Yeah. And, and I and give I, you kudos for that because how hard is that sometimes? Like, you, you, like it's, it's underestimated how much traveling can kick your butt. Oh, I know, the, dude. The plane, the time change. You know, the packing, you know, let's not even discount the weather. Well, the yeah, the airport. I mean, just you're exposed to so much and it's easy to get sick while you're doing that. So to just have the stones to say, you know what, I'm going to get out of this hotel room. I'm going to get a hike in. I think that's pretty awesome that you do that, man. Yeah, and it's it's hard sometimes. I mean, like you said, it, it takes a little bit of uh, digging deep to to do it because it's after a long day, you're like, I'm just going to chill out. Nah, I'm going to go hiking. And then I always feel better after I go on the hike. Well, yeah. How much easier is it to just sit in a hotel room and get chicken fingers <laughs> and a six pack? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'll you know, screw it. I'll pay $12 for four beers and just eat French fries and call it a night. It's just tonight. Yeah. You know, I'll just do it tonight. You know, that's the thing. But when you're traveling a lot, just doing it tonight turns into like, 23 nights out of the year and you know that's that's actually a, a bigger number than everybody thinks you know so yeah exactly but, but the same the same goes for home you know it's hard to it's hard to get at, you know even in my home setup i have the gym in the garage and to be perfectly honest some days it's hard to pull the trigger at five in the morning you know what i mean it's just it is what it is but to be able to the the, the discipline 
to have consistency in just doing things is a difficult thing that I think is under discussed in, you know, just this whole training and living conversation. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like you said, it's too easy to just hang out and do nothing and find excuses. And once you get into that mindset, then you're kind of, then it even gets harder, right? Well, yeah. And too, I think some, I think the trap in that mindset is I'll do it tomorrow. And uh, yeah, exactly. The case in point for my spike soccer team, you know, Wednesday was just a kind of a cold day that was, it was kind of typical Washington weather where it was kind of misty and cold all day like that. It it would be the typical Washington winter day where it's like 47 degrees, which is probably like four degrees too cold. Right. And then yeah. the rain was just a little heavier than usual, which was means it was just beyond a mist. So I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the, um, I'm looking at this weather all day and I'm like, ah, you know what, man, I don't want to get my kids sick. I'm going to cancel practice. So I canceled practice and I, the thought was, I'll just do it Friday. And Friday, it was a gully washer all day. Um, weather cleared for an hour for practice. I was like, oh, it's perfect. Oh, good. Perfect. And I'm on my drive to practice. And wouldn't you know it, five was a parking lot. The back way into work was a parking lot. It took me 90 minutes to do what usually is an 18-minute drive. And I had Holy to, smokes. Yeah, and I had to cancel practice because I couldn't get to the dang practice field. So the point there is, again, do what you can when you can and don't take don't take what you think you're going to do tomorrow for granted because you don't know what's going to pop up. It could no. be yeah, it could be a family thing, it could be crap traffic, it could be whatever, you know what I mean? So even if it's a uh even if it's a six hour plane flight like you did or um you know uh, <laughs> uh just a touch worse weather than you're used to you know if you <laughs> suck it up and do something i think it's going to be better than nothing right exactly because you know every time when you pull out uh, try to put it off murphy law is right that when you try to go do it the next time it's going to be even more difficult more challenges and that's right. It typically never ends up working out. There's a great video. Again, a personality that I follow a lot and find a lot of inspiration from is uh, Jocko Willink. His podcast is great. Check it out. He's got some short clips. One of his clips is like, I think it's called Do It Now. <laughs> like, whatever you are putting <laughs> off, do it now. Yeah. <laughs> Dishes, work, time with kids. Uh, if it pops into your mind to do it and the instant you say, I'll do it later, do it now. Just do it. Yeah. Just do that's it. That's a good way to do it. That's <laughs> a good way to follow. Yeah. So uh, interesting stuff. So but, so you um, just started working out last week again, huh? Did you take a whole month off? Well, yeah. Well, it's just uh, well, the same thing that we're talking about. It was really hard to get out of bed like for a long time. And I just kept putting it off. Um, yeah. No, seriously. Uh, again, you were talking about Murphy's Law. Um, it's the start of the school year. You know what I mean? So we yeah. had, we had just come off of the that Ragnar race. We had just come off of um, we had just come off of Elk Camp, which was you know that grind as much as you get through it. I don't think it hits you until like two days after. Um, uh, I one hundred percent agree. And then it was the start of the school year, um, which where I am, which, you know, you know, 750 kids who don't wash their hands out of defiance to their parents in the school system, <laughs> you know, like I just got hammered, you know, um, my shoulder was hurt. Um, and then that too, um, uh, 
you know, getting back into jujitsu a little bit was slow because I roughed the shoulder up. So I talk about Murphy's law, all these things compounded into just a really rough September, um, where, uh, you know, fighting, fighting a lot of, uh, you know, just, just, uh, disease. <laughs> and some of that disease was myself, to be honest, just not wanting to get right. out of bed. You know what I mean? Um, so, but yeah, so what, what we're doing now, um, in the spirit of just doing something, I, I finally had this screw it moment where like, I gotta just go. Um, so I've put together a pretty cool little workout routine that, um, I'm working just to get the blood flowing again. And, um, the cool thing is one thing led to another and it finally had a good week of training where I got, um, I got two weight days in two jujitsu days in. And then if you compound that with what I'm doing with the kids practice schedules with soccer, and my normal work routine, I also got um, what what I would say adds up to some good uh, some good aerobic working as well. So I'm finally back on track, brother. Nice. And then I, I noticed you threw out an Instagram of a workout that kind of helped you reacclimate or get back into it. Or why did you choose those particular movements? Yeah. So what we're doing now is um, what I had posted was I kind of call that like a a bridge workout, if that makes uh-huh. sense, or a bridge session, like. Um, you know, what I end up doing, I don't know, as a coach or a a trainer, you end up going through different stages where you, you, you want to like, first, when you're young, you know, everything and you do all this stuff and, um, it's all wrong by the way. Um, then, then as you figure it out, you fall into, oh, you go back to trying to redefine what you think are your fundamentals. And then kind of where I think I'm at is like, I have certain things I believe in. And I'm just going to always stick to them. And uh, where I'm at is I put together a bit of a bridge workout with some of that in mind. And what I mean by a bridge workout is like a, a tweener. It's not it's not a workout that's focused really on developing anything, but just reacclimating myself for the next training cycle. So I'll stick with this for a few weeks. But um, it's really short. It's really simple. It's a it's a workout that I can um, build intensity as I get comfortable with the movements and just reacclimate to lots of things like um reacclimate to getting up in the morning reacclimate to moving fast reacclimating to picking things up because you know the layoff i had was not only more sedentary than i like to be um but also just i was just lacking intensity so the thought was you know, I don't want to just try and jump in the deep end of that pole, you know, so I'm going to be ramping up the intensity of the session um, as we go. So uh, um, it's kind of like that bridge between being a sick slob for <laughs> a few <Yeah>. weeks <laughs> and then thinking about what I want to accomplish after late season. Because I also thought of this thing as a thought where it's like, you know, I got one more, I got one more hunting season coming up. And that's really the priority. So I don't want to get into anything new or crazy because it's just going to get broken up um, right around that late season hunt and the holidays. So the to be perfectly honest, I'll be living with this sort of workout probably through um, through December, and then once January hits, um, because you know if holidays are what they are, and it's not that we're not going to yeah. be training, but you know it's not going to be consistent. So 
the real time to have a consistent training plan is going to be around January. So right now, this is kind of like that bridge moment where it's like, okay, what are some simple simple patterns I can do that are going to keep me active, allow me to tinker with intensity, and then also set me up for success when I put together a real training package um, for the new year. And what are these? So there was three particular movements you did in there. And for our listeners, maybe you can explain or tell them what those were. Yeah. Uh, so... I, I kind of just had the kettlebell um, and going back to what we were saying before about you, you find what you believe in. Um, you know, I think, I think squatting is a, a pattern that everybody should have. Um, you should kind of be pressing and you should be ready to pick things up. And there's lots of guys who have a similar philosophy and they, they've built programs around it. So within this workout, um, you know, it's pretty simple. Um, I goblet squat the kettlebell. Um, I'll press it. Sink. I'll press it. Uh, just a kind of standing military press with the kettlebell, just a vertical press, and then I will. I'll swing it, and then I'll just cycle through those. Um, I'll just cycle through those three movements um, relatively quickly. And the the opening set of this workout was just um, you know eight goblet squats. Um, Put the bell down, pick it right up, uh, right arm, single arm press, put the bell down, swing it eight times, and then pick it back up and press with the left hand. And, uh, you know, as I ramped up intensity, I'm able to get that full set in in about a minute. Um, and the, the, the gist of the full workout is to get – I started out doing five sets. I'll do a warm-up set with a 35-pound bell, a warm-up set with a 44-pound bell, and then my working sets are with the 55-pound bell. And then over the course of the next few weeks – I will kind of keep those movements. Those are going to just be the primary pressing movements or the primary um, strengthening movements that I'll do. And over the course of the next few weeks, I'll time the sets and I'll try and get them down faster. And then I'll also do more sets or potentially go heavier. Um, I do have a 70-pound bell that I might work to, but I'd like to get a bell in between there. I think they make a 63 as well. So, um, nice. we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, but, but that's the thought because, um, you know, and, and, and it, it's, a, it's really simple and not only do I think the patterns are, um, effective, um, and they transfer over to many things that I'll be doing. Um, I can get it done fast. Like to be perfectly honest, I don't have to waste a ton of time warming up. Um, I can get in and out and I can, I can smash that thing in under 30 minutes. And that also saves me time some mornings to just do some other auxiliary movements afterwards that will support other things. Yeah. See, that's what I like about that particular workout because it's just three basic movements. And, um, so you're not thinking, gosh, I got to do these 10 different movements. And, you know, when you start compiling more numbers on top of something, it seems like it gets harder. Right. Three versus 10. Oh, yeah. And then the other thing about what you just said is, you know, sometimes as you sit there, like, do you have the courage to keep it simple in your workout routines? And I think that there's a lot of value in that because, um, you know, this workout, case in point, you know, I can do that even if I so I did like five total sets, uh, including the warm up sets. And I was done in like, oh, man, um easily 25 minutes, you know, with, with limited time in between, um, just kind of, you know, moving with some urgency, like it was super, super quick. But the cool part about with that being simple and getting like the big work accomplished, um, easily is that 
one, in later workouts, I can push for more sets and get more work. But then the other part is if I do have an extra couple minutes, I can add extra auxiliary work in and feel better about the situation. You know, like for example, you know, if you notice, um, cause I, so I'm doing a vertical press as a, as my, as my strength builder in most of my workouts. And that's that standing single arm press. But so then the cool part is when I have extra time, Oh, because I know I'm hammering that vertical press, I'll just drop and do some push-ups and get a horizontal press in. Or if I know that I'm strengthening this um, bilateral squat pattern um, with that goblet squat over time, well, then maybe my auxiliary work after that's going to be more unilaterally focused where I'm doing some more single leg stuff or, or lungy style stuff. And um, even the even the swing, because I'm so focused on a simple swing, I know exactly what to do um, from a posterior chain perspective, um, when I have that extra time and the cool part about having that extra time is I feel good about it. You know what I mean? Like I'll hit some extra stuff rather than lumping all this complicated work in and then never doing any of it. It's just, it's just a really sneaky way to feel better about your training and sneak more in rather than trying to lump too much in and never doing any of it and feeling like you're always playing catch up and missing something. Man, I think if you have the courage to just say, you know what, man, I'm going to keep it simple. I'm going to work hard at these simple movements. I'm going to perfect these movements. Not only do you get better at those simple movements, and if you've picked the right ones, they transfer across the board to others, but man, you'll, I think you'll be surprised at how much extra you have you get in instead of feeling bad about what you're missing. Well, yeah, and then plus you're just starting to create a, a new pattern, right? Yep. If you keep it simple at first, it makes it easier to do it every single day. And if you start doing it every single day, then after that 28 days, it's just your new norm. Yeah. Which I think is what we all trying to strive to get to is to make that our daily routine. Yeah, you raise that minimum. And then the, the other cool thing is, you know, to keep on this conversation is you'll develop other cool stuff to do off of that thing. And then you'll have a skill base and it'll be more transferable and you'll able, you'll be able to get more new stuff in rather than, oh, I saw some, but, you know, I saw, you know, I saw some Instagram wizard standing on a BOSU ball holding a plate, you know, with banded tension around his wrist. You know, it's like, like <laughs> yeah. what is that crazy thing? I'm going to try and do that. Meanwhile, you don't know how to do any of it or why that guy's doing it. And then you spend all this time trying to build up to some new fantastic movement that it, you might not ever get right rather you know again keep it simple build on that i think it's i think that's pretty rad you know i think that that's the way to go and i think people just you know you see again you see some wizard doing some crazy shit and you think oh well he's got a six pack i have to do the crazy thing to get it meanwhile what you're missing out is you know, people want to tease these wizards on Instagram for doing stuff. And I think that those guys would be more effective if they just showed people all the simple stuff they did leading up to it, because they're obviously athletic. I just think that they're, you know, they're motivated to make this weird splash or they show weird exercises that don't really work rather than, you know, the squatting, the pressing, the pulling, you know, that that's where the magic is. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the Instagram thing can be a weird little trap, right? People yeah. are trying so much to get on there. They'll do whatever they need to. I mean, it's just like anything. It's just like any of these 
uh, Michelle and I were talking about um, all these different diets that come out. And it's, you know, a lot of times it's somebody just trying to tie their name to a diet and then they convince so many people to do it because it works for a short term. But at the end of the day, I mean, the simple is what, I mean, you, you just get down to the basics. Yeah. Yeah. People. Just good food that's non, you know, what is it? Non, um, drawn a blank. It's pretty early in the morning here, guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, three in the morning. <laughs> the last time I got up at three in the morning, and uh, that was to change a wet diaper. That was years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll never so, do it again. So I commend you, sir. But no, yeah. you're right. I mean, I think what people want to do is, you know, you're so you're so fired up to help people too, right? I, and I think their motivations are there, and they look for that one little niche or that one little thing they can contribute that nobody else has. And um, I think the the point there is there's nothing new, you know. You're not going to find it. It you know what? No. Your innovations are going to come through maybe connecting the dots from from one thing to another. Oh, that's cool. But you know, they, everyone wants to come up with some new thing, and, and your diet's another place where it gets crazy. Um, my focus recently has been to realize that you know even 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 like a even some militant vegan who's going to take a bullhorn into an In-N-Out burger, you know, <clears throat> is going to f- be able to find common ground with some carnivore guy if they oh, really yeah. sat down and did it. Because the facts are, I think the common ground is if they could both say, okay, let's forget meat, let's forget vegetables, let's forget anything that's emotional about this really quick and realize that what we both want people to do most likely is eat real food. That's what, it. Yeah. Wipe out the process. That's it. Let's start there, guys. You know what I mean? So, and, and I think most diets are like that, you know, whether you're trying to go keto or vegan or uh, meditarian or, or <laughs> whole 30 or paleo or, you know, Adkins, whatever. Yeah. Whatever tag you want to throw on it. I bet you if within that diet, you focus on eating real food rather than some bundled processed snack with that catchphrase on the label you're going to do better off you know what i mean so um, well yeah and you'll feel way better and mentally it's just better too <laughs> that's what i notice with people a lot of you know follow all these diet fads and then and then you know i'll be working with a lot of people that are non whatever this or that and then all of a sudden oh uh, yeah can i get some ice cream yeah that's it <laughs> yeah can i get some, uh, let, let's stop here and get a chocolate bar yeah I'm like, no, you're on a diet. Oh, I'm just cheating this one time. And it's like every single day, right? Yeah, it goes back to what we were saying before. I'll just, I'll do it tomorrow. You know, I'll get back on track tomorrow. You know, <laughs> well, you... they, they make excuses, right? They've like, well, I've ate this. Uh, I've been on this paleo diet, you know, for a year or whatever, two months usually. And um, I'm rewarding myself. And I'm like, well, shit, man, you're rewarding yourself every single day. Yeah, with well, the rewards in doing what you, you were doing yesterday. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, no, it's a, it's an interesting conversation. We we can be our own worst enemies, but you know, even you know, to get it back to training, um, that's why my my simple stuff is like, you know, I really, you know, squat, press, and pull things. You know what I mean? If if you can do some variation of that, and um, the vote, the closer those variations look to like what you want to accomplish, I think you'll be okay. Um, and then I think the the that would just be from a movement standpoint, but then. The other aspects of training is I really do think you need to be working with some sort of external load, um, whether that's a pack, whether that's a kettlebell, whether that's a barbell, whether that's even a band. You know, I think that 
teaching your body how to work with something other than itself puts on a, a different sort of stress. And um, the last thing that I think everybody needs to do with their workout routine, and um, uh, this would be, this would I hope that this is received by one of our hunting par- partners' wives. Uh, <laughs> we were talking, we were talking by the campfire, and, and this gentleman said, "Well, my wife just doesn't like to sweat." I was like, "Well, you know, to be honest, that's sort of mandatory. We're like." Because yeah. the the hard sweat is a, is a sign that you've hit intensity. Whether you find that intensity through you know um, interval sprints, or whether you find that intensity through maxing out your weights, like you at or some, speed walking or speed walking, right? Yeah, you have to have something that's going to jack your heart rate up. And I think that that's well, that's what you know. Even our powerlifter friends, people don't realize that you know when you put. When you put 500 pounds or let's say even body weight, let's say you put double your own body weight on your back and if you can move that proficiently for a couple reps, check your heart rate right afterwards. You are you are through the roof, right? So I think yeah. that I think that you have to you have to have something in your workout that's going to ramp up and you know you can achieve that you know, sitting downward dog for 30 seconds in a hot room, you know, you'll, you'll experience that. So however you can get like a ramped up intensity, I think that would be valuable. So again, that's what I'm achieving with. And, and maybe the last one too, is it's got to be fit into your life too. So that's why I train in the garage. But the, you know, if you could, if you could, if you could invest into some foundational movement patterns that are going to transfer over to your life um, and the things that you want to do, um, if you can perform those things at high intensity and if from time to time you can work with an external load, I think that those are some, those are some fundamentals that you can hang your hat on and eventually over time ramp those up to, to see some real success. Yeah, no, that's good stuff. I, everybody should be on board. So everybody yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So pick up something. And even, you know, even if you guys tune into Instagram and you see I was working with a kettlebell, you could do all those movements with a with a dumbbell. And I and I don't know anybody that doesn't have like a five pound dumbbell in their house. Like, you know, I bet you have yeah. one somewhere. <laughs> I bet it's, it's there. Funny you say that. I've had I had one like a five and a ten in my um in my house for in my garage for I don't know. 20 years yeah there's probably that like pink or blue coated one with that weird coating <laughs> that you get from walmart right yeah you have exactly. it you have it and some people have like the one that's kind of like rough coated or smooth coated or the other set you probably have is like that like um that uh octagon shaped dumbbell right i have a bunch yeah. of those like you have them folks they're there and if you don't have that you can fill a milk jug with water it's 13 pounds go for it you can do all that stuff and there's even a handle on the milk jug so yeah man you go to a yard sale too they always have them people have it you know i had a buddy who's he, my buddy scott who i work with he's like hey man you know i'm trying to get rid of this bow flex i'm like no i'm good um <laughs> And you know the thing, not nothing's wrong with the Bowflex because I actually use some things in my garage that actually give you sort of that same resistance. But they're just—I think the the big knock on the Bowflex is the fact that it's just a, a space suck. You know, it just yeah, takes exactly. up so much space, and you can you can utilize so, so much more with some other things. But man, you can start that workout right there. And um, what I'm going to do over time, and and if you guys check out the feed, anyone can do the movements. You know, squat as proficiently as you can to a depth that's good for you. Maybe over time, um, 
you get a little bit deeper and maybe right now you're you're getting to a place where your squat's tough and it hurts you so what i might suggest there too is if you know um if you want to modify any of those movements um for example like the squat you could scale it back by maybe squatting to a chair and just getting out of the chair you know start there you know what i mean because there are some folks who might be coming off an injury that's a little harder um and that workout might be a little bit more daunting but um you know, you could you could essentially do it. You could squat to, you know, if you watch some powerlifting videos, you see guys who will box squat and some things like that. But you could essentially use that as a rehab drill. But then also it gives you a bit of a target to squat down to, give you a little more comfort in that round. But the point there is all those movements are scalable to something. If you if you feel like the overhead press isn't good for you, do a push up instead. If you feel like picking up that kettlebell might booger up your lower back. You could pick it up from a raised platform where you are comfortable and then slowly work down to the floor. I mean, there's that's again, I think the power in doing something simple is you can modify it simply. And it generally the modifications are intuitive to the point where if you feel comfortable doing the movement in that position and it looks decent, then it's probably a good scale for you. And then over time, just work to what you think might be just a little bit more challenging place to start or finish. Yeah, and what I like about all this stuff that you're talking about is on the time frame is it only takes 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. And people, and, and I always talk about this because it, it's like my worst enemy. Is I think I have to work out for a full hour. Yeah, you don't. And I have to fit all these movements in in that full hour. And I find that I feel a lot better when I just get in there, do three or four sets of something, and you know how four – three to five movements and they don't have to be like bicep curls, tricep, you know, push up or bench press or bench press dumbbell. You know, I, I, I think of trying to get all my muscle groups in and with this new found dumbbell or a kettlebell deal, it's, it's a game changer for me because I feel a lot better, honestly, because I'm getting all these range of motions. Yeah. And you do them in single movements. So, and they're, they're yeah. time efficient. I was talking to a buddy um, I was training with about this, you know, he's like, well, why would you even want to snatch? What's so good about that? And I was like, well, it's a cool move for one, you know, who doesn't, <laughs> you know, you can jump under a barbell into a full squat and stand up. But I was like, there's not a single move. There's not a single muscle you're missing in that movement. I was like that the real benefit I think to a snatch one, we can talk about power output. There's no move. Once you develop technical proficiency, there's no move that you're going to do faster with heavier weight. So there's not a better move for pure power outlook output. So, but it does take some time to get there to develop that technical proficiency. So if you're not technically proficient, you're not going to get the full benefits of it. But the other part is once you're technically proficient at a movement like the snatch, then all of a sudden when you start to do other things um, or you can do that efficiently, you hit a lot of muscle groups in one thing. And then all of a sudden, you're you're super efficient in your workouts, and you don't have to work out as much to get a benefit of a workout, which is awesome. You know, I would much rather at the top of my workout do something that's going to hit everything, and then work backwards to isolating things with my bonus time, rather than at the front of my workout trying to isolate all these movements, where then I have to spend time warming up all these different parts, and then not getting as much in. So... By by centering your whole routine on the simple big moves first, you know, something lower, 
something upper and something posterior chain related, then then you're going to um, then then it, everything else outside is already primed and ready to do all the little bonus extra stuff you want to do after. So um, yeah, I think I think that's awesome. And, and now on on this particular workout that you're doing now, are you doing this like a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or is it an everyday deal? Or yeah, it's awesome. How are you spreading out the time? I just try to get two in, two in. Right now, as it's like a bit of a bridge workout, I'm just trying to get two in a week. That's it. Um, and then the other days, I'll get in and do some treadmill work. And in the evenings, I'm hitting jujitsu. So right now, like the schedule is just crazy because, you know, again, uh, two kids in gymnastics, uh, working full time. I'm coaching two soccer teams, and it's a just a <laughs> just a shit show, man. <laughs> you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. So the, the goal is a young parent. Yeah, the goal is get two in. That's it. So wherever I can nice. get them. Um, and that's it. And and I didn't pick two for no reason. I used to be obsessed with get three in. But um, I came across some cool research um, that there's really no difference. If, if, if you have an active lifestyle and you're eating relatively okay and you're busy and stressed like everybody else, if you're looking for kind of hypertrophy and, and kind of uh, benefits to the musculature and to your soft tissue for that develop to either develop power or or hypertrophy, um, which but there's really no difference between um, uh, two days and three days in terms of the benefits for most people. So I that's was just, interesting. Yeah, could, well, what ends up happening is when you go for that extra day, you you're not letting the recovery thing go down all right. It, that it's pretty wild, but what you end up having to do is have other lifestyle factors dialed in. And I'm not talking you have to be layered Hamilton, um, where you're you know you're supplementing this and you have to be this 50 year old stud who surfs all day and you, you know you walk around with your shirt off and get invited. You know, it doesn't have to be that crazy. You just have to <laughs> spend more time on your feet and just being relatively active. You know, the things we talked about. You know, do three pull ups when you walk under the fence, park far away, eat real food, get as much sleep as you can. If you can do those things and then really just get like two intense weight sessions that are targeted, um, there's there's a lot of benefit to it. Yeah, and, and that again, it's just that sweet spot, right? And when you're overreaching, sometimes you do you, you do more. It's just you do more to hinder the process than to help it. So um, I think for most of our folks, that'd be interesting, man. If you can get two resistance sessions in, folks, where you're moving an external load with intensity, doing big movements, and maybe back that up at the end with some isolation stuff that might be like, you know, like Jeremy said, the curls or, you know, targeted things that you're going to do for the wifey or, you know, do do so people in the office can see, you know, you know, do that after that quick kind of foundational session and, you know, do that intuitively, um, you know, hit your calf raises, you know, or, or hit, hit, hit some shoulder shoulder raises, things like that afterwards there's a lot of benefit to it if if it's targeted and done well now do you think a guy should get hung up in the weeds on leg day upper body day or should it be all just kind of all one day because with these particular movements it seems like you use a lot of legs and um and stuff too so isolating those upper and lower is that a good thing or should you just concentrate on doing both on one day i would if you're only going to be going for this two day a week split i would do something so i would do at the top end i'd pick three movements that you're going to always do and they're going to be your big ones 
So if you notice that routine I'm in right now, I'm always going to do this squat. I'm always going to do this vertical press, and I'm always going to do the kettlebell swing. And over the course of the next few weeks, I'll just I'll do more rounds of that, and I'll do more reps. And those will always be the same. Now, what I haven't pictured in that workout is what happens afterwards. And that's where you could maybe potentially do this upper lower split thing. So that would be okay. where you do like your smaller auxiliary work. So maybe you'll get on some, maybe you'll do some, re- maybe you'll do some Russian curls for posterior chain and you'll just isolate those with some abs one day. And then maybe the next day you'll just say, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, you know, I'll do back and buys for the, for, for the honey. You know what I mean? And, but I would always at the front end do my foundational big moves and then kind of keep track in your two-day split of what auxiliary movements you're hitting. So, And that's what I do. Like I just have a piece of paper in the garage where I'll hit my tick marks for my big foundational moves because not only are those are going to warm up and prime everything, you know what I mean? But then I'll just keep track of what fun auxiliary stuff I'm doing. And um, like, for ex- example, after day one, I hit pull-ups. Um, I hit pull-ups shoulder raises and then I did on the BOSU ball I did um I did curls I did leg curls and then the second day I realized oh I haven't done any horizontal work so I did I did a um push-up split um supine ring row split and then um I got on my back and because I'm doing jujitsu again I got on my back and I did this I did this crunch with the ball between my legs for like a guard retention drill, but mm-hmm. you know, just dig into your stuff and just that, that would be a place to experiment and have some fun stuff. And the extra thing I do with that auxiliary work is it's always a higher rep. So, um, if you can imagine I'm doing eight sets, I'm doing sets of eight with my big moves. So when I break off into my auxiliary work, I'm trying to hit 12 to 15. Um, and again, okay. And, and I'm in and out of there quick, and it's not bad. So, you know, just keep track of it. That that That's a real place, too, to experiment and have fun. You know what I mean? And just do different things. Um, and, and, and that's what I get into there. But it's really simple. Um, and, again, I think what's fun is I get the real work in, and then I can real quick get a couple extra things in that are fun. If, if you Yeah, I think that's awesome. If you're somebody who the novelty of it would just destroy you or just uh, like that consistency you just get, would get bored of, and I'm guilty of it. You know, that's why I picked up jujitsu. That's why I'm bow hunting now. You know, I just got bored with snatch, clean, and jerk, right? So I wanted to go try and do other things, and I, that happens with me in my workout. And my, um, you know, I can put the sprinkles on my Sunday – but I'm generally always going to put vanilla ice cream in the bowl. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And that's that's the way I look at my workout routine. You know what I mean? Like, okay, I need to squat. I need to press. I need to pick something up. Um, if I do that, then I can go play with the other stuff. Yeah, that's great. And that's how I roll with that. So have some fun with it. But even with doing those extra things, I'm out of there in like 45 minutes i got a good sweat going i've ramped things up and the best part is it's all going to lead into some big barbell work come january when i'm just going to be starting to get ready for other things you know where i'll put together like a legit six months that are going to prep me for early season again and then you know if i track that really well i have some things i can work up like i know where my lunge protocol ended last year 
I know how many, I know how long it took me to do a thousand box step ups with a 35 pound pack. You know, I know what my floor press built up to, and I know how I felt in elk camp. So not only am I bridging this workout towards that, I'm also bridging this workout towards goals that I have set for myself based on my previous year's output. So again, when you're looking at this from a giant macro standpoint, you know, it looks kind of random and it looks just like working out, but there's some real thought into it. So two, just when you structure some of these things, just have a little bit of vision and honestly follow your intuition about, oh, does it look like this? Am I working out that hard? Because in the back of my mind, I'm always thinking, you know, is this like climbing a mountain? Is this like packing out an elk? You know, does this look like what I'm going to be doing in the woods, you know? Right. And you can take what from, you know, how you were sore from the last season and apply what movements to so you can work those particular muscles so you're not sore the next season. Yeah, like one thing I'm doing this year that's going to be slightly different is paying a little bit more attention to my shoulders. Um, shooting the bow as much as I was leading up to it has really affected me. And also even the jujitsu stuff, there's something going on. There's something, there's some imbalance that I need to work out in my, um, um, what would you call it when you're shooting a bow? Um, the, the arm that's straight, do you call that like, um, you know, what do you call I that? Just, what do you call that arm? The support arm or the anchor or support? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. The arm I'm anchoring with, not my draw side, that shoulder is interesting right now. And I don't know yeah, what's going on. Yeah, that's the one there. I always have troubles with. So, so I need to do some stuff, pay attention to that shoulder mobility wise, and maybe even maybe work some of the stuff around it a little bit more. Um, you know, and in someone someone said, "Well, it's all that damn jujitsu." I was like, well, "Okay, if it's the jujitsu, then why doesn't the other one hurt?" You know what I mean? Right. It's got to be the archery because that's the one where I'm isolating that in a weird way, whether I'm drawing wrong, this or that, the other thing. So I'm, I'm kind of doing some digging with some friends to sort out what's going on there. And um, well, the- sometimes too, Joe, I think when you're out archery hunting and we're going down those big hills and you fall, yeah. you always have your bow in your right hand. At least I do. And then you fall on your left. Mm. Yeah. So you're, and you could have tweaked it. I know that's what happened to me this year. Cause when we got my elk and we were heading up that steep hell hill with Dave, um, driving up the hill and I was on his tailgate and it, it got super steep and then he had to punch it because the rocks were sliding out and I flew right <laughs> off the back of that truck and I I jacked my shoulder up because mm. I was trying to hold on to the truck and not you know yeah yeah fall off but I did anyway mm. yeah, how about that you survived the the, the pack up the the slip wet hill and then you're safe you're safe in the tailgate it pop <laughs> <laughs> I know. What's crazy is that I flew off that back end of that thing, and I don't know how fast he was going, five or ten miles an hour, and I never knew you could run forward and backward at the same time. <laughs> well, yeah, throw that in a workout routine. How about that yeah, one? I did. The fall I off. I stayed on my feet, but I, did, I don't know how I did. The fall off the tailgate. Oh, <laughs> you know, the fall off the tailgate run downhill in loose gravel workout split. Um, on steep incline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting stuff. But I don't know, man. I hope... um. You know, uh, I hope I hope we gave you all something to think on as you're kind of, you know, there's all kinds of things you can do. I know the conversation started with some interesting things, but, you know, start start simply where you can and uh, get what you can in. But, you know, keep it consistent. Um, you know, it's, it's simple. It's, I like this simple, man. Yeah. And, you know, and 
that that might be just a way to trick yourself into feeling good. You know, we we have all these stupid things we do to trick ourselves into feeling like crap. You know, why not go the other way and trick yourself into feeling good? Oh, I I got up today. I got two workouts in today. Oh, I had some extra time, so I ended up getting some extra curls in today. You know, I bet you if you looked around, there's all kinds of little extra things that are fired up that you're doing rather than focusing on the stuff that you've missed out on. You know what I mean? So so get to it. I think people um, spend more time dinking around and, and, you know, what affects their time management. So they're too busy thinking about getting out of things and not thinking about, I need to just do it. Yeah, that's like right. Like Jocko thing. I mean, just, if just you think do about it. it, just do it. That's it. Just, yeah, right. Rather, it's like, uh, what's the old Seinfeld joke that all guys are worried about what else is on? <laughs> yeah, right, you get the remote and you, you're watching that's something. Oh, but what else is on? You go to the next one. And then all of a sudden you go back and the thing you wanted to see is over. You, you screwed up, right? So yeah, yeah, I love that thing for even that perspective. You know what I mean? Just yeah, do that's it. Funny. Just do it. Just do it. If you're thinking about getting up, just do it. And even if you've hit snooze, then you find out you only got 15 minutes, we'll go by and do some push-ups and burpees at the bed bedside. And then maybe you'll get up 20 minutes earlier and you'll do that. But you know, you just got to do something and just start with what you can do. You know what I mean? And, and I think whenever you start, even if it's a month after you thought you were going to start, you should stop for a minute and pat yourself on the back and, you know, reward yourself with a nice cup of coffee, not a Snickers bar. Can you do that one for me? How about that? Um, Amen. So, so that, that'd be good guy. So, um, Cool. We we focused uh, our we focused today's episode on uh, on a bit of the the training side. Um, we were going to get to some blacktail stuff, um, but we had not. Maybe um, we'll save the blacktail stuff for next time. Um, in particularly, we'll highlight some cool stuff that um, uh, Washington Department of um, uh, what is it WDFW uh, Washington yeah. Department of Fish and Wildlife. We're going to see what they're doing. They're doing. They're tr- they need our help. Um, guys out here and some blacktail research and we'll highlight some of that and maybe um maybe with that in mind jeremy i'll do some other digging and see if i can't find some other you maybe like the washington chapter of backcountry hunters and anglers is doing some cool stuff and maybe what we can do is just uh, maybe each of us can do some work on highlighting some cool stuff um going down on going down in washington i know in the past we've been hard in particular one of us has been hard on king county um, <laughs> um, but you know, I oh, don't bring it up. Yeah, it's, it's no, I'm just kidding. yeah, no, that's right. It's it's not that they're listening. Uh, it's 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 easy to it's easy to gripe, right? But complaining is not a strategy. And just like I tell yeah. my kids on Fridays, you know, you have to recognize what's going on good around you. I think there are some cool attempts, so maybe we can highlight some local efforts um, in 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 wildlife management and conservation and hunting. Um, and maybe uh, that, that'd be a better route to go. Cause there are some cool things going on we have some cool species and we do have beautiful habitat and um, we do have access and some places don't. So we can celebrate those things. Absolutely. And we can now celebrate because Hunter's pink is now officially Woo-hoo! can be worn. I'm going to get some pink shit. I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing it. You know what? That might, you know, my kids are laughing at me. We were talking last night because the new season of elk, uh, the new season of meat eater dropped not to go off on a tangent at the end of the show here. But, um, I was like, you, there, there is a, any elk hunter out there, please guys, this would be my last tip. Any elk hunter out there, go to season eight of meat eater right now and watch the 
Blue Mountain episode. It's episode two. Um, Steve Rinella and Giannis, um, they're hunting Washington. They're hunting Eastern Washington. They got a special lottery tag. It's a, an unbelievable unit. But in that episode, they talk about calling. You you get a sense for how many days they're out there. You get a sense for the misery of it. You get a sense for even when you make a shot when it's not a good one. What the, I mean. I haven't seen a 22 minutes that encapsulates the entire elk hunting experience. And the cool part about watching that with my family was they didn't want to watch it, Jeremy. But by the 17th minute, their eyes were, their mouths were open. Their eyes were wide. (laughs) They were like, holy, this is crazy. And I, I turned it off. I said, I said, that's why I want to spend nine days in the woods. I was like, and they were like, oh, cool. And then, you know, then afterwards they wanted to watch the Maleficent movie. But I had them. <laughs> I had them for, I had them for 22 minutes. So thank you, Meat Eater. Any elk hunter who's just having a hard time getting their family to figure out why they're into it, I think that it would be a really fun resource. It's just a cool, well done show. Renella does a good job of articulating it. And it's a, they get cool footage of the animals live. You get, not only do you get cool footage of them calling, but you get cool footage of the, the elk call. I mean, it's, it's a great episode, man. And it'll draw your family in and it'll get you some buy-in. So so do that. Season two, episode eight is no, what you said? Wrong. You reversed nope. it. Season oh. <laughs> Yeah, because the their 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 new their new season dropped uh oh. this past Friday. So yeah, it would be season eight, episode two. It it's just it does a really good job of uh encapsulating the whole elk hunting experience. It's pretty rad, man. It's it's just it, it's 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 a pretty cool episode. And the, and to have a to have a five year old, six year old, eight year old, and a thirty seven year old woman who could care less about what I'm doing in the woods, just into it. I was moved by it. It was pretty rad. <laughs> they were all in. That's awesome. They were into it more than I was. They they didn't understand what I was doing, but now they do. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome so check that out guys and uh jeremy you go check out that makiki valley and get you a burger and uh get you a get you a red velvet waffle over at your yoga story sir i think i'll do that but first get some I sleep might go back to bed <laughs> good you roll in there you roll in there and um make sure you tell tell that wife of yours thank you for doing this thank you for some time in the woods and uh thank you sir for bringing me along um and uh even in this kind of train hunt and live mission it's um it's a blessing to have you involved, sir. Oh, man, it was a blessing to have you there and thoroughly enjoyed it. And thank you for coming. Yeah, we're doing it, buddy. So, uh, well, that's it, folks. Um, as always, please review the show. Tell your buddies about the show. Um, anything you can do to support the show. Um, and thanks for, thanks for tuning in. Jeremy, have a good one, brother. All right, man. God bless America. Get it.